Well, good morning again. So, so we're in this final week of summer break. As we've been looking at this bad theology that's, that's not only in the world, but unfortunately even in the church. Um, and, and as we finish this final week, I'm kind of excited about today's message. Um, but I'm really excited about the series we're going to start next week. So, so next week we're starting a new three-week series called Real Life Faith. And the, hopefully through it, it's going to urge us not to wear this mask, you know, that will be unique not only in the lives that we live, but also in our faith journey. So hopefully it'll challenge us and really urge us to be real. Be real in our life and be real in our faith. So we'll start that next week, but we got to finish this week first. And, you know, I've always been amazed since I first became a Christian on, on just Christians themselves. I remember when, when I first accepted Jesus, and, and I thought, you know, like everyone in the church, they, they knew all about Jesus, they knew all about God, they knew all about the Bible, and, and they just they spent all their time doing what Jesus called them to do, and, and they were just on fire for the Lord. And, and then there was me, you know, I, I was growing, I thought they were all grown up in, and doing what they were called to do, and I, I thought, and, you know, I was the only one in my life that maybe didn't fit into the church. Man, was I wrong. I, as I spent more time going to church and doing more things, I, I realized that even some of the seasoned Christians were kind of like me. You know, sometimes they didn't quite fit in, and they didn't have it all together, and the shocker was they didn't know everything. I was like, but wait a minute, you've been like a Christian for like 50 years. You don't know everything? Come on. And, and well, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long time. Guess what? I still don't know everything. And I'm still learning. I'm still trying to go through this process of, uh, of being more like Jesus every day. And I fail every day at being more like Jesus. And, and unfortunately, I think the reality is, is sometimes we just have some wrong ideas. I think sometimes through life, through everything that we've done, we just have these wrong ideas on, on what maybe we should do compared to what we shouldn't do, what the world calls us to do, what we actually do. And I think sometimes we just get so caught up that we forget some things are just so basic. But you see, we were raised on this scientific method, you know, so... So there's this whole cause and effect kind of thing. If this happened, what caused it or something caused this to happen? And, and we get so caught up in, in this life that anything that happens, we want to know what the cause is because we got to know. We got to know what we got to know. And, and today's big uh, bad theology is actually this. God does not send pain as a punishment for our sin. Let me say that again for the people in the back who maybe didn't hear me. God does not send pain as a punishment for our sin. Here's a reality, though. Sometimes pain is the natural consequence of our actions. Our choices. It's the natural consequences of our choices, but God desires to restore us. No matter how messed up we are, no matter how jacked up we are, we are still loved. 
We are still loved by a God. And a lot of time we bring this stuff on ourselves. Does, does anyone here ever feel like they haven't brought bad pain on themselves? I'm just checking because if, if you felt like, man, I've never done that in my life, we need to have a talk. Because I think you got some pride or something going on. Because <laughs> I think all of us at some time make these bad choices. And, and the realization that, you know, sometimes even through our bad choices, God can actually use it for his good. He can actually use it to glorify him. He can actually use our bad and our bad decisions to advance the kingdom. And I think sometimes we forget about that. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 9 today. And we're going to read and dig into a cause and effect that many people have different questions about but that we ourselves hopefully will have answers to by the end of this sermon today. So John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. It says, As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered, this came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. One of the things I find very interesting here is this whole, who caused it? Why? Why is he blind? Now, unfortunately, even in the Christian world, I've actually heard more than one person, someone's talking to them, hey, I've got these financial problems, hey, I've got this problem, I've got this going on, this going on, and, and all of a sudden they become Job's friends. Oh, you must have some unconfessed sin. Oh, you know, that's, you, you're going through this because of some sin in your life. And, and that's exactly what we see the disciples doing, it's, it's who sinned? What caused this and why is this happening? It's that whole cause and effect kind of thing. And what I wanted to do first is just kind of go back and give some headway going into this. So just prior to this, Jesus actually preaching in the temple. And he tells the Jews who, who didn't get it, he makes two statements to them that utterly get them enraged. And the first one is this. He says, in John 8, 51, truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So here the Jews, the Jews just, this, this statement automatically, are you a Samaritan? Oh, you must be demon possessed. So here they're telling Jesus that the truth, and that Jesus, you know, being the truth that he is, telling him, you got to be demon possessed. No way, this can't be happening. Who do you think you are? They're getting all fired up. Uh, they don't understand what he's saying, and they really don't realize that the Messiah is the one that's going to keep them from death and eternal um, distance from God. Now, at least we get that. We know that Jesus came into this world, and we get to, by accepting him and, and living his life, that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. The Jews didn't get it. 
So we're a little higher. We, we got it a little better than the Jews of the time because we understand why Jesus came. The second statement, he said this. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Which totally just threw the Jews over the deep end. Remember the whole I am statement was back from Moses when, when the burning bush and he asked them, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am. So to this, this was a blasphemy of Jesus and they actually picked up stones to start throwing at Jesus, and Jesus left. Now, i got to admit, I can understand Jesus there. Because if y'all decide to pick up stones and start throwing them at me, I'm leaving. Now, the next thing I'm going to try and figure out is how you got stones in the sanctuary. But if y'all decide to pick up stones and throw them at me, I'm leaving, and uh, it's not going to be a pretty situation. See, religious people have gotten it wrong for a long time. And unfortunately, we even have religious people that come inside the church or are part of the church, that, that it's all about the religion instead of the relationship, and they get it wrong. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, we need to break that whole religion and, and understand and remember it's a relationship. So now Jesus goes outside the temple. And as they go outside the temple, he, he comes across the, the blind man, and the disciples start doing exactly what we do. They want this cause. What, what caused him to be blind? They want to ask the question. They want the answer. They're, they're talking with Jesus. They want to know what's going on. And the reality is in their day, in the time of, of Jesus, there's actually four plausible answers to what was going on. And, and so as I read this and I'm thinking about it, I said, well, I can kind of understand why they were asking because they don't have the knowledge that we've gotten by being able to see the history and what Jesus has done. And the first thing I think is the pagans of that day, and we still have people today believe the same thing. They believe in reincarnation. So automatically the thought process is, oh, in his previous life, he must have sinned. And now that sin is carried over, and that's why he's been blind from birth, because of his reincarnation and, and sins of his past, and, and that's why he's going there. Now, of course, the Jews wouldn't have understood that, but many other people would have that same reason. That's why he's blind, and he's been blind since birth. Now, the Jews might have taken this whole thing and looked at a, a biblical perspective and, and gone back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, where God actually tells them, Do not bow and worship to them, and do not serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequences of, your, of the Father's inequity on the children of the third and fourth generations, to those who hate me. Now, he must be blind because of his great-great-grandfather. You know, because unfortunately in our life, we all have this backpack that we wear, this backpack of, of everything our families have ever done, and we carry it, and what do we do? We pass it from one generation to the next generation, and, and, and the sins of my father and the things my father did or didn't do in my life, now I'm passing it on to my kid. 
And, you know, it, it's biblically kind of makes sense. He must be blind because it's something that someone else in his family did. And, and it's a plausible, it's kind of biblical, okay, well, maybe that's what happened. So, you know, you can always think about it and say, well, I'm blaming what I did on my great-great-granddaddy. That's why I'm in the situation I'm in today. Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Because we all have that choice to take that backpack off and, and leave it and not pass it on to the next generation. But it's kind of easy to blame someone else, right? We get caught up in this blame game. Well, it wasn't me. It was whoever. And, and as we point that finger of blame to someone else, we forget we got three more pointing back at us. And, and, but it's so easy to blame someone else. And, and it kind of takes it off of you. Well, it's their fault. It's just the way I am. It's in my genealogy. It's, you know, it's hereditary. Guess what? No, it's not. There's a time and a place where we got to say, it's maybe something that you did yourself. And stop putting that blame on others. So, you know, could have been, you know, he's blind because of this. It it makes sense. The the third thing... uh, the sin of Adam, you know, because of the sin of Adam, that death and sickness has come into the world. So kind of plausible. Okay, well, it's happening because of the sin of Adam. And we're all going through it. And now there's sin in the world. And we've got to suffer. So that kind of makes sense. Now, the fourth one makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I actually had to read it and look it up twice. The Jews actually believed that a child could sin in the womb. Now, I find that hard to conceive. But, you know, how can someone sin inside the womb? But it is a belief that they had. You know, so that's a plausible. So I can kind of understand the disciples asking who, why, asking that question. You know, because they want to know what happened. Just like every one of us and our next-door neighbors always want to know what, what's happening, what's going on looking over the fence, trying to figure out what someone else is doing. We're kind of the same way. Uh, Inquiring minds want to know, and the reality is this. In in our lifetime, in theirs and in ours, some things just happen. Let me say that again. In your life, some things just happen. I know, what? Some things just happen. It just happens. We can't blame it on anything. It's beyond us. It's beyond our control. We can't explain it. We don't understand it. It's there. It's going to happen in each of our lives. And there's a point where we just need to be, hey, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's going on. I wish it would stop going on but I need to continue to move forward. And and every one of us could tell story upon story of how things have happened in our lives. Every one of us has probably had a friend who hurt us in some way or the other. We've probably had family members that hurt us. We've had, had people in our lives get seriously sick. We've had people in our lives pass away because of sickness. Um, we've had jobs that bring trouble into our life. We've had bosses that are just nasty. Um, we've had hurtful people come in. Then you got the natural, you got earthquake, lightning, tornadoes, landslides, hurricanes that bring devastation. 
they bring hurt, they bring all these different things. And we could go on and on of everything that has ever brought hurt or pain into our lives. And then when we look at it all, can we actually say, God did this to me? No. God didn't bring it to you. It's not because of some unconfessed sin. It's not because of this. Some things just happen. The good thing is, anything that happens, God can use for his good. God can use it and be glorified through it. And, and some things are just inexplicable in, in, in our lives and we can't explain it. But then we ask, but who sinned? Why is this happening to me? Yeah, I sit here and I think about this. Here's this man. He's always been blind for his whole life. Uh, and the disciples are asking, well, who sinned? Someone had to sin for him to be like this. And, and basically they're asking, look, somebody somewhere did something, and I want to know who did it and when they did it. Like it's really their business. But how many of us ask the same thing? Who did it? When did they do it? Because I want to know. I got to know who did this so that I know at least who I can go, they did it. I can blame somebody. Instead of blaming myself or, or the certain, I, I need to know who, what, when, and where because I need to know the cause in order for, because of the effect that's happening. And, and we get so caught up in it. And I think about this, Jesus basically says, guess what, no one did nothing. It just happened. He, it's basically this bad thing. And, and Jesus knew that his disciples had the wrong idea. They had this misconception of what was going on in life. And we have that same misconception. We, we take things out of context. We take it the wrong way. Or we try and put our own personal agenda onto the situation that's happening. Know that God is sovereign and he is in control. That's what we need to remember. God is sovereign. He is in control. And in the end, his plan is always going to work out no matter what we do. No matter what we do or how we do it. And if, if he can't use us, he's going to use someone else to complete his plan. But we need to always remember that he is sovereign and he is good. The psalmist in Psalm 37 verse 1 through 5 actually said this. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. No matter what you've got going on in your life, trust in the Lord. Put your faith in Him and realize there's things that we cannot change. Sometimes things are going to happen in our life. We can't change it. We can't do anything about it. And it goes against us as human beings. Because what do we want to do? We want to fix everything. Wives want to fix their husbands. Husbands want to fix their wives. We want to fix our kids. We want to fix our grandkids. We are in fix-it mode. One of the things, if you ever talk to Patty, and, and when Patty gets frustrated, I ask her two questions. Do you want me to fix it, or do you want me to listen? Because the reality is, is, as men, we don't do well at listening. 
Sorry, guys, I'm putting it out there. Most of you already knew it. Wives already knew it anyways. They knew we don't listen. Exactly, huh? Oh, were you talking to me? You know, we get that selective hearing kind of thing going on, but we automatically want to fix it. You know, Patty used to, she, she'd start to talk, and she'd get like two sentences in. I'd be like, well, you just got to do this. Do this and this and this and fix it. And then all of a sudden, she'd get really quiet, and I realized, oh, she didn't want me to fix it. She just wanted me to listen. So now, of course, I say, do you want me to fix it or listen? She says, listen. So I sit there, and I listen. Now, guys, just like you in my mind, she's got two sentences in. I've already fixed it in my head. I just haven't said it out of my mouth because I'm going to listen to everything she's got because guess what? I may be wrong. Yes, guys, there's times we may be wrong because we want to fix it. We want to fix it, be done with it, move on, because guess what? There's a cause and effect to everything, and if this is going to be the effect, we're going to fix the cause because we want to change what the effect's going to be, and we want to fix the outcome to make it all happy, happy, joy, joy. Reality is it's not always going to be like that. There's times it's going to be tough. Realizing that God's providence is infinitely stronger than we are. He is bigger, he is badder, he is better than anything we can do. And realization is sometimes we just need to accept what we can't change. Just accept it. Think about what acceptance brings. When you finally say, you know what, that's it. It's the way it's going to be. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to move on with my life. And acceptance actually means that we stop fighting. Stop fighting the inevitable because some of us will put up a fight with things that we cannot change and it will absolutely drive us crazy forever. And it won't only drive us crazy, it's going to drive our family, friends, and all of our loved ones crazy too because we can't let it go. There comes a time to stop fighting. Stop fighting, let it go. I think through acceptance, it, it stops some of the hurt, it stops some of the pain because we realize that God's in control. Acceptance frees us to, to not worry about something that we can't change. It's that let God be God. Let God do what God does. And realize, hey, I've given it to him. I'm not taking it back. Remember, I've said it many times, it's not like you go and fishing. You don't cast it to the Lord and then reel it back in. Throw him the whole fishing pole. Give them the fishing pole. Don't bring it back. Because unfortunately, what do we do? We kind of start feeling a little better. Oh, I think I can handle this now. No, you can't. If you can't change it, except you can't change it, give it to God and let it go. Let go and let God. The reality is when we accept the things that we cannot change, we get that inner serenity about us, and we're able to calm our spirit. We're able to move forward and continue the life that God has for us and not get caught up in everything else. All right, let's get back to the blind man. So I, I got thinking about this here. The blind man stand there. He, you know, they say most people, when they lose one sense, their other senses get stronger. So I'm thinking to myself, the blind man stand there. He's got Jesus in front of him. He's got the 12 disciples. He's got to be able to sense who's in front of him. He's got to know there's people there, and, and he's hearing the disciples question, why is he blind? Hey, what, why is he blind? Is it him? Did he do sin? And, and I'm wondering, what was he thinking? As he's sitting here, he's listening to this conversation, and then he actually hears Jesus said, 
neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered, this came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. Now I'm sitting here thinking as a blind man, what? You mean to tell me I've been blind my whole life because God wanted me to be like this? People, I'm right here in front of you. I know you can see me even though I can't see you. And I just imagine what he's going through being like, really? Really? I'm, I think of myself if I was sitting in that situation and being like, yo, I'm right here. Talk to me. Talk, don't, don't be asking. I know he's a great physician. I know he's got all the answers. It's like, you know, the, the young interns at the doc, in the hospital all going to the main doctor trying to find out and diagnose someone and trying to get all this information out of the doctor so that they can be better. And here the disciples are trying to do the same thing and, and have this, all this different stuff going on and why, why, why? And this poor blind man standing there right in front of him or sitting in front of them. He knows they're there and basically is told, God did, did this so he could be glorified. Huh? Now we don't know how old the guy was. We don't know. We know he's been blind since birth. He probably had the same thinking in his life. Oh, the sins of my father, the sins of my grandfather. Maybe I sinned in my mom's womb. All these other things probably going through his head. And he hears none of them sinned. Had to be asking himself, what, what's going on? What do you mean? Oh, that's a good thing we didn't sin, so why am I blind? If nobody sinned, why am I blind? There's got to be a cause to every effect, and we actually live through this. And the reality is God created him and created that blindness for his glory. God created each one of us for his glory. We're the best thing God created. Now we're messed up. We have issues. We're not perfect, but realize God didn't make the sin in your life. God didn't make the choices you make. Them are all choices that we do. That whole free will thing, I don't know how free will really works or how it really is because when I make decisions myself, it's kind of messed up. I kind of wish God would have made a whole bunch of decisions for me in my past because there's a whole lot of stories from my past that I wouldn't have stories to tell. But here's the reality is the things that happened to me in my past because of my choices that maybe brought hurt and pain, those tests now are part of my testimony. Them messes are part of my message. And it's the same for you. And where is it now? God getting glorified through the messes that I've had in my life. God can get glorified through the messes and the tests in your life as you move forward. Because here's the thing. Once you learn from your mistake, what do you normally do? You teach somebody else, right? You start telling, yo, dude, John, man, I've been there. You don't want to do that. I'm just letting you know you don't want to do it. Now, if you decide to do it, I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to watch you do it. I'm going to probably laugh at you for doing it, but then I'm here for you when you're done, all right? I'm going to try to stop you from doing it. We go through this life trying to be perfect. We get, and, and as soon as something happens, it's your fault, dude. You caused me to do this. 
you weren't there for me. I can't believe you went through this in your own life and you weren't there to help me when I went through it in my own life. And then normally it's, dude, I tried to stop you. I told you. I told I guarantee the Holy Spirit even told you before you got there. And what did we do? We kicked over the first barricade. We stepped over the next barricade. And we just kept moving forward to where God's saying, don't go there. And what do we do? We walk right into it. And then what do we do? Oh, it's someone else's fault. We start to blame someone else, realizing that we did it ourselves. And we, we did it to ourselves. It's not what God intended for us. It's the choice that we made. We made that choice. So we bring it on ourselves. God made us and created us for his glory. Not for us to end up being where we're at. And, and it's ironic how much we will cast blame on someone else. And guess what? Even us Christian folk, even people inside the church, will cast blame on somebody else. We like to point that finger. And I think what happens is because it makes us feel good. It, it makes us feel like, well, it wasn't my fault. Well, man, I'm glad it wasn't me. But so-and-so. You know, and then we do that churchy thing. We gossip, but it's really not gossip because we started with bless their heart. <laughs> or we started with, hey, Mike, man, we need to pray for John. You know, John, ta -ta 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 -go. all we're doing is gossiping. And, and, and you, you think that's exactly what we're doing. We are gossiping, we, but we make it sound holy. We need to pray. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, isn't it? It's crazy. But we'll actually do that. And, and then we're kind of like, man, I'm glad it's not me. I'm glad it's him. And guess what? It's his fault that he's doing that. And we get so caught up in the same thing. And as Christians, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be there for each other. When someone is hurting, we should be by their side. When someone is going through something, we should be there. We should take our past experience, our past mess-ups, whatever our past hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and bring them to help somebody else. That's what God created us to do. He created us for his glory, and if we go through a mess, and we actually we get through it, and the pain's gone, the hurt's gone, we need to then take that and help somebody else. Holding on to it does God no good. He can use it for his glory, and we need to look to glorify him even through our messes, even through our mistakes. Seek to glorify him. You know, that whole blame game, it never heals. When you blame someone else, does it really heal what you're going through? No. All it does is it brings more hurt. It never makes people whole. It actually will break relationships when you start blaming each other. Instead of you bringing unity, it it divides everything, um, and it never solves a problem. It generally just compounds it, makes it kind of worse. It's kind of like when you tell a lie, you got to tell another lie, another lie. Lying's actually hard because you got to remember a lot of lies. 
and who you told it to. So we need to speak that truth. And, and, you know, when we really get good at this blame game, we start blaming God. Oh, it's God's fault. God did this to me. Newsflash. No, he didn't. But we'll blame him. Oh, God did this to me. This person did this to me. My great-great-grandfather did it to me. You know, when hurt comes into your life, blame is so easy to start when it's somebody else. But the worst part is, what about when you start blaming yourself? When we put all that personal blame on ourselves and and we start putting all of these weights on us that we don't deserve on ourselves, and we blame ourselves, and, and then as we're blaming ourselves, that hurt automatically goes to others. It goes to our loved one. It goes to our family. It starts to affect even our children or grandchildren because now we're, we've got all this that we're putting on ourselves that the weight we're bearing ourselves, we end up deflecting onto those we love. And now they're required to, we require them to carry that burden of our own self-pity, of our own self-blame, of everything we put ourselves through. And, and it's just, it's a bad way to go. It's a bad way to go blaming yourself. Uh, the reality is pain's going to happen. Some of you have pain every day. You got to get on I-95 and sit in traffic. Some of you have pain every Monday morning. No, no, it's another work week. I got to go work with my boss. We we bring all this different pain on ourselves instead of bringing peace and joy into every situation that we come into. Be the peacemaker. Be the bringer of joy. Say, today I'm going to bring joy into every situation. Stop the whole blame game and stop the whole cycle of who did what. Face the reality that sometimes we, it comes on us ourselves. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could blame someone else. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could try and say someone else is the cause of our pain. Jesus died on the cross and he took our failures with him. He took our failures, he took our sins, he took our shortcomings. He took all of that on the cross with him. So why do we hold on to it? If Jesus died for our sins, why do we continue to hold on to it? Because unfortunately as human beings, we've got to be in control. We've got to look at this whole cause and effect thing and try and figure it out, and we forget that we have been redeemed. Jesus came to restore us. God used him to restore us into a right relationship with him, but we'll try and blame somebody else. We'll try and blame someone else for our shortcomings, And instead, we'll punish ourselves and we'll beat ourselves up for sins that we've done. We will hold on to something that we've done so tightly. Even though we understand, we'll tell people, 
Oh, Jesus forgives. He died for my sin. Well, if he died for your sin, why are you holding on so tight? Because we will. We will hold on so tight, we will get into this whole self-pity situation instead of just letting it go. Let go and let God. He can use your pain, he can use your suffering to glorify him. Why are you holding on to it? It's a whole lot easier to let it go. Of course, I say it's easier to let it go, but if you're like me, you grab it and you pull it back. Well, I let it go yesterday. I got it back this morning. There's a time to let it go. There's a time to realize it's not about a cause and effect. There's a time to realize just to move forward. Move forward with your life. Don't get be with the blame game. Don't be, well, who sinned? The man was blind at birth so that God could be glorified. God knew at that day, at that very moment, the time that Jesus would be right in front of that blind man, that he would spit in mud, rub it on his eyes, have him go wash himself, and he would be able to see again. Jesus had to get in the dirt to heal him. Some of us need Jesus to get in the dirt with us. Because we're playing in the dirt, we're playing in the mud. And we're just treading, slipping, falling. Time to realize Jesus is there with you. Let him pick you up and carry you and bathe you. He's already washed away your sin. He's taken your sins from you. He died on a cross for your sins. Let him go and keep going on. Let that misconception go away. When we stop blaming ourselves, when we stop blaming others, we're going to discover even more wonders. I think we'll begin to see each human the way God created them. The realization that God created not only you, but the person sitting next to you. God created the person that you hate. God created the person that you love. If we're all creations of God, shouldn't we look at each other as we're creations of God? Instead, we look at each other from these human eyes, from our human, our human sinful flesh, or our ego, or our pride, or our hatefulness. Whatever it is, is how we look at other people. Open your eyes and look at the person next to you as the creation of God. Realize that God created them, even in the imperfections that they may have in their life, You've got imperfections in your life. But man, we'll be quick. Oh, look at the imperfections in their life. We need to wake up and look in the mirror and realize where we're at ourselves, but also remember that we're created for God's glory. We're created to be for Him. So with that being said here, repeat, that, repeat this after me. I'm really a wonderful person. When Christ lives in me, I have been too self-critical. I have been my worst enemy. I 
am a child of God. Jesus loves me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do y'all believe that? You believe that, right? Are you going to believe it after you leave church today? Are you going to think about it during the week? Are you going to think about it when bad things happen? Because the reality is, guess what? Most times we don't. We, we don't. we don't remember that. Remember, Jesus loves you. He loved you enough to die on a cross for you. And we will forget all about it. As soon as times are hard. As soon as it gets hard, we, we forget all about it. Remember, you're a child of God. God is not finished with you. God is not finished with you yet. God will use you just like he used his blind man from birth to glorify him. As I, as I said at the beginning, God does not send pain as a punishment for our sin. The reality is this. Sometimes... Pain is a natural consequence of our actions, but God desires to restore us. Allow God to restore you. Allow God to restore you. I look, think back about Joseph. Joseph, his brothers threw him in the pit, sold him into slavery. We're never going to bow to our brother. Our younger brother ain't going to happen. Joseph ends up second in command. In Egypt. The famine comes. His brothers now have to go to Egypt to get food. And in Genesis 5.20, Joseph says this. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Don't let your situation think that it's the end. Don't let whatever you're going through in your life think that's it, I'm done, I'm over. God can use what you're going through to glorify him and save people in the future. Because when you're going through something and you're able to have that conversation with someone down the line about what you went through, what sin it was that had a hold on you, that you finally broke that chain of that sin and you've moved forward, and now you're able to tell someone, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he did. This is who I was. These are the things I was doing. This is when I met him. And let me tell you what he's done. Your situation will help you to be able to glorify God. You look at, you know, I, I look at people in Celebrate Recovery, AA, NA, all these different Anyone who's ever been through recovery, when you look at where they're at today and where they were used to be at, and then you start looking at the lives that they touched for good, that they were able to teach and talk and mentor people who were the same place they used to be, to get them clean, to get them away from that, whatever it may be in their life, that they put it behind them and now they start to move forward. That's what God calls to do. And guess what? You are glorifying God through the sin that used to be in your life. He has restored you, and he's going to use you to restore others. Be the vessel that God calls you to be. Do what he calls you to do. 
take that step forward. Stop pointing at someone else. If anything, point at yourself. Hey, I did it. It was my choice. But guess what? I can move on. And then let go and let God. Let God change your life and use your life to glorify him. That's what we're called to do. That's the life we're called to live. The day that we accepted Jesus, we were put on mission. Do the mission he called you to do. Move forward in your life. And you may be sitting here today and saying, hey, pastor, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm that, I'm the blind guy. I haven't seen Jesus. He says he's the light of the world. I, I don't see light. I'm blind. I've got all this darkness of the world around me, and, and man, you don't know what I'm into. It's okay. I don't need to know what you're into. He knows what you're into. He knows what you're going through. And if you're waiting to get it all right, hey, you know, I, I got to stop doing this, whatever this is. And then after I stop doing this, then, then I'll be good enough to accept Jesus. The reality is stopping that still ain't going to make you good. Still ain't going to make you good enough. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a sinner. So you're in good company. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, including me. But yet God showed his love for you that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ willingly went to the cross for you while you were a sinner. He went to the cross for your sins. The sins you've committed already, and Lord knows we all know the sins we've already committed, some of them are very fresh like in our way to church. Christ died for your sins. He loved you that much. And God's word goes on to say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. Now the reality is when you accept Jesus and the world's still going to be the same. Your friends are still going to be the same. Your family's still going to Everything's still going to be the same. The difference is going to be you. And, and as God starts to transform you from the inside out and, and you start taking time in his word and, and you start to change, people are going to look at you a little weird. People are going to try and get you, oh, come on, man. Last night we were partying. You ain't going to party tonight? No, I'm sorry, I can't. What do you mean? That pressure is going to be there. The difference is going to be you and what you do with it. Now here's a reality. Guess what? You still may accept Jesus today and do the same thing you did last night. You may do the same thing tomorrow or the next day. And as time goes on and, and you start to realize the sin in your life, then you start to repent of it and you start to move forward. Now, at the same time, you could accept Jesus and everything be totally different. For most of us, it's a process. I've seen people stop smoking. I've seen people stop drinking. The day they accept Jesus, they've never touched it again. I've seen people accept Jesus and still fight them demons in their life for years. 
Everyone's walk is different. That's why it's personal. And maybe you're here today and you've been blaming yourself or blaming others for the circumstances in your life. Man, it's their fault that I drink. I need to get my next hit of fentanyl because of my great-grandfather. He was a druggie and it's just a family tradition. It's not a family tradition. You have a choice to take that backpack off and not send it to the next generation. You can take off that backpack from your family's messed up, jacked up life and you can set it to the side and start new. Start your own legacy. Whatever it is going on in your life, let go and let God. You are His creation. He said you were very good. Be very good for God. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and Lord, as we we take this time together, and just the realization that, Lord, everything we go through that you can use to to glorify you. Lord, sometimes it doesn't make sense because we, we know what we're doing. We, we, we know the sins of our past. We, we know what's on our mind and what we may do later today. But Lord, the fact that you could use it to glorify you, we, we don't understand. But Lord, you do, and that's what counts. Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here today who's, who's holding on to something that, that they feel... Lord, you're punishing them for some sin or something that they've done in their life and all this pain that's going on that, that it's someone else's fault besides them. Lord, open their eyes so they can see. Open their hearts so they can feel your presence. Lord, help them to get through this pain. Help to restore them, which is what you want to do. Lord, let them see you for who you are instead of who we try to make you. And Lord, instead of us always trying to find this cause and effect, may we know there's just some things we'll never know and things we just need to let go of. And Lord, that we'll continue to move on in our life and that we will seek to glorify you in everything that we do. And Lord, that you will take our mess and make it part of our message and that we will be able to bring people to you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, your word says today is the day of salvation. Lord, that they will take those steps, take that step of obedience to to come and accept you as their Lord and Savior so that you can change their life so that you can then use them to glorify you. And whatever situation they're going through, Lord, let them know that it is just temporary because you have bigger plans for each of us. Lord, I just ask that you continue to, to have us move for you. Lord, that we don't look to you as a religion, that we look to you as a, for a relationship. And Lord, that we will take each day to tell someone about our Jesus and tell them what you've done in our life and that you will be glorified through it all. And Lord, I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's continue worship. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.